This episode of Popular Mechanics' Most Useful Podcast Ever is brought to you by Braintree. If you're working on a mobile app and searching for a simple payment solution, check out Braintree. With one simple integration, you can offer your customers every way to pay, period. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com useful. That's braintreepayments.com useful. Back when I was a graduate student, I wrote one of those stunt journalism articles for the school paper in which I spent an entire week trying to commute and run all my errands by bike. This was in North Carolina, and there weren't many dedicated bike lanes between my apartment and my school. Every time I tried to go to the grocery store, for example, I got stuck on the wrong side of the freeway. It was actually much harder than I expected. Bike commuting in New York City is slightly easier if you don't count the risk of having your bike stolen or getting sideswiped by a cab. There are apps that you can use to find your route, and there's a bike store full of knowledgeable people pretty much every mile. There's still a lot to know about taking care of your bike, modifying it from commuting, and sharing the road with cars, though. So we invited Sam Pulser, Director of Communications at Bike New York, which is a nonprofit advocacy program that aims to get more people on bikes, to help us out and get us some tips. We also talked to senior home editor Roy Berenson about what you can do to put your lawn to bed for the winter. We also took our bi-weekly testing roundtable outside to try out a new form of transportation that you may have seen people riding around on. It's this electronic board that looks like a Segway without handles. Turns out it's a lot harder than it looks. I actually think I'm going to stick to my bike. I'm your host, Jacqueline Detweiler, and this is the most useful podcast ever. We have Sam Pulser here today, who is the director of communications for Bike New York, which is a nonprofit that runs the country's largest free urban bike education program here in New York City. He's also the photographer of New York Bike Style, which is a book of portraits of stylish cyclists. And he is also an old friend of mine who convinced me to buy my first bike and commute to my old office. Uh, Sam Pulser, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Sam, so, so first off, can you just describe to me a little bit about what, uh, what you do for Bike New York? Sure. Uh, well, I'm uh, the newly anointed director of communications. I've been there for about a couple of years now. Um, what Bike New York does is uh, we teach New Yorkers and anyone who wants to learn how to ride or ride more safely and confidently or how to maintain a bike. We teach them how to do all that stuff for free. Um, we have bike education centers located in all of the five boroughs of New York, uh, which generally consists of a shipping container filled with bikes, helmets, and whatever else we might need to teach them. Uh, That's cool. We provide the instructor, uh, uh -huh. some volunteers, and uh, for example, in two hours, uh, most adults and children will learn how to ride a bike. That's cool. Uh, which is pretty crazy to watch because uh, most of them don't think they're going to get it in the beginning, and then it turns out to that be surprisingly so easy. That seems so surprising, actually, because it took me a long time. To, I mean, it takes everybody a long time when they're a kid, I feel like. Is it harder to teach an adult than to teach a kid? Uh, I wouldn't say that it's harder, um, but what you get is that kids are learning new things all the time. They expect that everything they try to learn how to do, they're going to get by the end of it because it's just what happens when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. When you're an adult, I mean, a lot of our adults will show up and they're like, I don't know, this is something that I've always thought maybe I should try, but I probably would never figure out how to do. Uh, and then when they get it, they're super psyched. Right. I bet. Yeah. If you spent your whole life never biking and then seeing other people do it and then you get to do it and it's really fast, that must be fun. And it takes a lot of courage for them to show up and do it as well. Just right. for that reason. They're kind of like, well, I could fall and hurt myself or, 
you know, or I'm going to fail. That's what you always hear about adults learning new, old, old adults learning new tricks. All of us is that, uh, your, you, your head runs through all the scenarios of, Oh my God, now I'm going to break my arm. And then that's going to be six weeks and I gotta, you know, I'm not gonna be able to drive a car and I'm not gonna be able to get to work. And when you're a kid, you don't even do that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they take it for granted almost. Yeah. So angry. speaking of breaking your arm, how, uh, how would I ride better, uh, and safer more safely so that I am not likely to injure myself? Hmm. Uh, that's a good question to which there are a few answers, but I'd say the best answer that I can give you is to say ride predictably. Okay. First of all, you want to make sure not to get doored. So you want to, if your listeners don't know what being doored means, yeah, it means that? having a door swing out in front of you because whoever's sitting in the parked car doesn't realize that, you know, there might be a cyclist coming. Uh-huh. Uh, that can be a messy situation. So make, make sure that you, you know, you're far enough away from the car to not get doored. Um, so it's better to be out in traffic. Better to be, be out in traffic. Own the lane. Be predictable and own the lane. So, for instance, if there's cars parked, but then there's a gap between those cars, and you know you get scared and you're like, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna pull over and ride in that parked car lane, uh-huh. and then you have to swing back into traffic and there's a bus coming. You know uh-huh, what I mean? So right. then, then you've you've created a problem where there wasn't one. If you had just stayed in the lane. Uh, you'd be a lot safer because generally you don't get run. People don't get run down from behind. Now I'm sure that it happens. Sure. But what generally happens is the cyclist will just do something that the other cars won't predict. Uh huh. Like yeah, I know that. Um, I mean, getting hooked is a big one by by a car turning right. I feel like that's actually happened to me, mm-hmm. where you're coming along and then the car doesn't use their blinker, and then next thing you know, it's turning right and you weren't ready, and then it kind of cuts you off. But it's like it's one thing to get cut off in a car. You just hit your horn. You get cut off on a bike then uh, you, you just run into the side of a car. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, is there any way to avoid that? Uh, assume that they're not looking for you in that spot. Okay. Okay. Uh, so it's like, it's like driving next to a truck. You should just assume, it's like driving next to a truck all the time. Assume yeah. that they can't see you. Yeah. <laughs> you assume can. that they can't see you. Make yourself seen. Yeah. You know, at night, definitely wear, you know, have some lights as bright as possible. Uh, have a bell or something that makes a lot of noise on your bike. Uh, I've, I recently started riding with a bell and I use it. I think I'd, I'm probably wearing it out. What are some things that you can add to a bike that will make your life so much easier? Like, uh, I, I mean, I, so I hate, I hate carrying a bike lock, for example. I would prefer not to carry a backpack or a, a messenger bag or anything because it's, it makes you sweaty. And I have a really heavy bike lock because I've had my back wheel stolen before. Um, and you can mount that, I think, mm-hmm. can't you? What, what? The, the good news is that there are solutions to all of those problems. <laughs> uh, first of all, yes, if you have a heavy bike lock, you can mount it on your bike. Okay. Um, most of them. Where, like, anyway. under the seat? Yeah, under the seat or on the, the back tube. Um, and uh, Or you can keep it in a, a pannier, which is a solution to your messenger bag problem. Uh, basically, those are the bags that clip onto a back rack and kind of hang off the back of your bike. Okay. Uh, I'm a recent convert to that as well, and it has changed my life because I no longer show up to work with a sweaty back. What about uh, what about thieves? If you have a pen, do you take it off the uh, back? Oh yeah, rack? yeah, it's easily removable. It just oh, hooks. Okay. It just hooks on. Uh, most of them come with a shoulder strap. There's some that are like basically just transform into backpacks. So you show up and it's a you know computer bag or oh that's or cool. Yeah, and you know depending on how fashionable you are, you can get some that you know look a little bit nicer than others, some that look a little bit more uh, utilitarian. And, you know, not too many people do have fenders, but I, I recommend them. You know, it does weigh your bike down a little bit more. But if if you're someone that's kind of on the fence about, you know, riding when there's a chance of rain or or, or it rained earlier, that, that you know, solves that problem. Speaking of riding in the rain, is there a way to keep – do you wear what? Do you just wear, a, like, a raincoat or something? 
If it's raining, uh, well, you can wear whatever you want, but the one, there's one company that makes uh, these sort of cycling-specific, uh, basically ponchos, but they're much better looking than that, and uh -huh. they're reflective, and they're fairly durable. It's a company called Cleverhood. Oh, cool. Uh, what's, uh, there's a couple of neat things about them, uh, one being that the inside of the poncho has these little thumb holes, like kind of like uh, little loops, uh -huh. so that you, when you're holding your handlebar, the poncho is also still covering your arms. Oh. It kind of goes out in front of you, whereas if you just had a normal poncho, it just kind of fly behind you. Uh-huh. And then whatever clothes you're wearing underneath would, would still get wet. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so that's kind of neat. And and one more product I wanted to mention because of your your lock situation. Uh-huh. Um, there are certain products called like pinhead or pin locks, uh, which basically replace the skewers for your wheels with basically a lock that only you have the key to. So instead of having a quick release, which is why bike thieves can take wheels so easily, mm -hmm. uh, it has this little bolt that um, you keep a key for on your keychain. Oh, that's so a that, good idea. Yeah, so I've eliminated another lock. Right. By having, you know, these so like products. like the back lock to lock your, your yeah. wheel to the other wheel. And they come, usually if you buy them in a kit, you, you can get them. It'll, it'll come with one for your seat, for your handlebars, for your stem, for both wheels. And you just put all that stuff on there. And now when I ride somewhere and I just lock my bike up, one lock and I'm good to go. Right. Yeah, actually, I've never had my bikes on knock on wood, but I have had my, I had my back wheel uh, and my flywheel and all that stolen. Yeah, I'd left it outside overnight, which I normally don't do. I walk out of the house and I see it. I'm like, that looks like my bike, but it looks weird. It looks like it's missing half of it. And then I was like, what the? Ah, but I will say that I made more friends that day than maybe ever in my life, except for like the first day of college. If you really are, if you're lonely and you just moved to New York City, or you just moved to a city of any sort where there's a cycling culture, get on public transportation with half a bike and absolutely everyone will talk to you. Because yeah. everyone, it's everyone who knows, who's ridden a bike knows how that feels and they want to tell you the story of the time it happened oh, to them. Yeah, because it, it's a terrible feeling. It's, you know, you're, you've been... Even robbed, and you didn't even get to yell at anybody. Yeah, it's the worst. I've had I've had one stolen. Uh, I blame my st I, I blamed the victim though, because I, I left it out with like really crappy little cable lock. Uh huh. And I guess that's you know you live you learn in New York, and now you got you you need a strong lock. You it will be stolen. Yeah. If you don't, and if you. And so what even, do you what do you mean by a strong lock? What what is preventative here? Uh well, I do want to clarify by saying that even the strongest locks in New York, if left out for long enough unattended, overnight, many days, they can still get them. Right. I've seen some really impressive leftover bike bits. Mm -hmm. It'll just be like a chain attached to attached to a lock it's and like everything a, else is gone. You're it's like, like How? a decomposing body. It really is, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, Kryptonite makes some great U-locks that are really strong. I'm sure there are plenty of companies out there that, that do sort of New York tough locks, mm -hmm. but I'm going to shout out Kryptonite because they have one that's actually called like the forget about it lock or something. <laughs> so it's like for New York. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, I mean, any of those U locks, um, the, the big ones uh, are good uh, as well as those super thick chains. Um, okay. So what, here's another slightly, this is a slightly different question. Um, I have a single speed and I actually have done a triathlon on a single speed because I'm a crazy person. Um, but how how many gears do I need for various things? If I'm just if I'm riding to work, and I want to be, a, you know, a reasonable bike commuter, how many gears do I need, and what kinds? There's no right answer to this question. <laughs> uh, but can you explain it to me? Because I, I feel like I'm so confused if I go to a bike shop and like, well, this is a seven speed. This is a 10 speed. This is a 25 speed that costs $12,000. Like, what do I, what do I really need? And what am I missing out on? You don't need a 25 speed bike to go to work. I'm going <laughs> to say that right out. Um, 
it really depends on how fast you want to go, how hard you want to ride, how much you want to sweat, um, and how many hills you have to climb. I mean, okay. that's the that's the the main reason why one might want more than one gear. Okay. Um, the benefit of a single gear is that your bike is lighter. Okay. Easier to maintain. Um, and uh, is probably slightly uh, cheaper. So one thing I've noticed kind of both in New York and, and uh, just from people that I know is that there's kind of a contentious relationship between people who drive cars and people who ride bikes. And even if you're a person that is a cyclist in your spare time or you commute on a bike, then suddenly you're in a car and somebody's in front of you and you're slamming your horn and you're mad because he's in your way. Um, is there a way that we can all get along? Sure, hope so. Um, and I think that if there is, it will have a lot to do with the way that you actually phrased the question, which had to do with not defining each person as a driver or as a cyclist. You said if you are a person who rides. Oh, uh-huh. Um, and f- and kind of find, finding that common humanity among us. Uh, attitudes like that will help people to see uh, the issue from different sides. Okay. And not being so sort of self-centered about the whole thing. So, you know, yes, I, I ride bikes and when I'm driving, I get really annoyed with people who, who, (laughs) you know, take the lane, even though I just told you to do that, to do that. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of theories out there about it. I think that, um, the one that will prevail hopefully is that protected bike lanes, um, in cities, uh, are definitely going to help things. Um, it's, it's proven to be safer for everyone involved, whether you are a person who rides a bike, a person who walks or a person who drives, uh, folks who drive tend to maybe think that that is not the case. They think that a bike lane, uh, is going to take up their space thereby slowing them down, but Mm -hmm. they've actually found, uh, that in most cases it just prevents accidents and that's it. Right. Because you don't have to, you don't have to watch constantly. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if everybody rides nicer, rides more respectfully, then that's that's at least helpful, yeah. right? Yeah, and more people riding. You get more people riding, it's safer for everybody. The cars will recognize that they're cyclists, and they'll behave accordingly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Uh, what What's your new bike that you have that's that's uh, super cool that you said? Uh, it is an all-city macho man is actually the name of the bike. It that's is amazing. A macho man. Yeah, it's a cyclocross bike that is suitable for city riding. Cool. Uh, is there a cyclocross in New York? There are people who do that train cyclocross, I hear. Um, but I bought it because, I mean, riding in New York City with its potholes uh, can be a lot like riding Practically in a cyclocross. Practically is cyclocross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah with, with moving obstacles that can hit you and kill you. Mm-hmm. Everybody wear a helmet. Wear a helmet. And uh, <laughs> again, if you, uh, you know, want an online resource for some of this stuff, uh, a lot of the information that I've just given you, uh, bike New York's website, bike.nyc, has um, all of this information about how to check your, you know, check your tire pressure and things like that. Right. And you can also go to your, befriend your local bike shop, which is cool anyway, because all those guys are fun. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks, Sam. No problem. This episode of The Most Useful Podcast Ever is brought to you by Braintree. Are you a mobile app developer who has a brand new bike commuting app? Why not let your customers pay for an on-demand fix-a-flat service with Braintree? It's a simple payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, and Living Social. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical. And now you can add a similar experience to your own app. 
Let's say a customer wants to buy a new bike bell on your app using Apple Pay. He can do that. Braintree offers support for credit cards, PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, and more. It also has superior fraud protection, customer service, and fast payouts, which is great because you have better things to do, like bike down to the beach. It's still nice out. To learn more, and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com useful. That's braintreepayments.com useful. Roy Berenson, you are our senior home editor, and you have tenants, I'm told. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm the, I'm the accidental landlord. You know, I'm one of these people that had a house. I couldn't sell it, and then, you know, decided to become a landlord and took out a building permit and fixed the place up. So you're like a good landlord. Uh, you know what? I'd, I'd like to think I'm a good landlord, you know? I mean, I, I told my tenants that... Um, you know, the, the best thing that could happen with this house is that they look back someday and they said, we were happy living there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, the, you were telling me that you're actually, they're about to get married. Yeah. I mean, they're just a lovely couple and they're going back to the Midwest uh, to get married. And, um, they're, and they're just, they, they just couldn't be nicer. And uh, so I'm, I'm happy for them. I, I paid the water bill as a, as a wedding present. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the nicest landlord I've ever even met. Wait, and what are, and what are you doing while they're there? Well, yeah, I mean, the, so I don't inconvenience them, and it, it just happens to work out nicely for me. Um, the lawn needs fall fertilization. You know, uh -huh. whether, whether people know this or not, it's more important to fertilize your lawn in the fall than it is in the spring. Because in this part of the country, this being the Northeast, uh, and in many parts of the country, seeing that grass through the winter is extremely important. The, oh, the grass right. the grass goes dormant. Uh, however, uh, activity is continuing at the root level. The, 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 the plant, you want to give the plant um, an opportunity to store carbohydrates in its root system. And also fall fertilizer can improve the cold, what's called cold hardiness. That's a strange sounding term. But it means it helps the plant resist cold weather, which is extremely important uh, if you get a uh, prolonged cold snap without snow cover. Uh, plants can suffer without the snow as insulation, and the ground can freeze solid, and it just it makes it hard on the plant. But in any case, fall fertilization is key to helping the plant, helping the grass, bounce back in the spring. Right, so you're going to do this while they're out of town. So they, they won't have to worry about getting fertilizer on their feet and stuff like that. While they're out of town, I'm going to handle the fertilizer, and, and they'll come back, and the lawn will be better for it, and they'll have an even nicer lawn next spring. What kind of fertilizer do you use? Well, uh, that's pretty simple. Um, you go to a home center or a hardware store, and they have in bags stacked up this time of year. It's called fall fertilizer, and the mix is slightly different. The chemical components are slightly different from spring fertilizer. Oh, I don't um, think I even knew that there were different kinds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the stuff you put in in the spring uh, tends to want to help the grass uh, start, mm -hmm. and um, the fall fertilizer helps the plant store the carbohydrates and, and other nutrients over the winter. But the most important thing is the nitrogen. The nitrogen, that's, that's real plant food. Yeah, they love that. Yeah, they love it. Uh, how, would you, how do you apply this? How do you put that on there? Yeah, it's simple. Anybody can do it. You, you, have a, you buy yourself a little lawn spreader. Uh, it's this little, uh, it's, a, it's a container on wheels, and it has a, a, a metering device on it. 
you set it to a number, the bag will tell you what number to set it at. Open the bag, pour it in. The bag is full of uh, fertilizer granules. Just pour it in. If there's some left over, you just tape the bag shut, save it for next year. And then you walk around the perimeter of the lawn. You make a stripe of fertilizer around the perimeter. And then you walk rows. You just walk the spreader back and forth in a row, overlap each row a few inches, not much more than that. That's it. How much do those things cost? Uh, the spreader you can get for uh, a small spreader under, you know, 20 bucks, let's oh, say. Cool. Yeah, yeah, very inexpensive, you know, for a small yard. And the fertilizer is about the same. It works great, though. Yeah, your lawn would thank you. Thank you for letting me know that. Now I want to live in your house. So our testing roundtable this week is actually our testing Central Park table. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, we have Matt Goulet out here who has a mono rover that he called in after uh, he rode one once and fell on his face. Uh, and he's been riding it around our office. He's actually looking really impressive, uh, rode down in the elevator on it. Uh, we also brought along our curious idiot, Kevin Dupsik, who is, uh, has a basketball for some reason. I don't really know why. Thanks, Jackie. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm looking forward to showing my skills to everyone. Thank you. <laughs> to be clear, that second person was Maculay. The first person was the idiot. <laughs> so you've probably seen these monorovers around. People ride them. They look kind of like the, they're standing on the prow of a ship. Um, it's like it's two wheels. This thing is white. It's got uh, two places where you stand on it with your feet. Matt, can you explain to me kind of how it works? How does it work? Uh, I, it's like the Segway technology but without the handle. So uh, it, it's able to, you're able to balance on it with just a little slight flex and sort of the weight of your feet propels you forward uh, up to, I believe, 20 miles per hour. So you can get, get to going on this bad boy. My first question is, uh, can you explain why it's called a monorover? Because it has two wheels. So the company monorover initially released a similar uh, tool, you can call this, that was just one wheel and you would stand, straddle it, the one wheel, Mono Rover. Uh, this is their R2 model, so that has two wheels. How exactly do you tell it what you want it to do? You have to do less than you think you need to do. It's you're essentially just standing, standing straight up, kind of in like a slight hockey stance, kind of putting some weight in your butt and in your thighs, and then uh, kind of controlling it just by the balls of your feet, sort of uh, like leaning forward, not leaning your whole body forward, but leaning your feet forward a bit pulling back when you want to back up. I mean, it looks a little wobbly, I feel like. Are, do you feel safe? It takes a minute to get your bearings, uh, but and it, it wants to move. It's made to move. Like, it's registering that I'm on it, and it wants to go forward, and, you know, my body weight is shifting, so it's going to kind of shift with me. Roll around. Let's see what it does. You're turning around now. Are you leaning to one side? What are you doing? I just turned to my... Look, I like how I'm approaching the mic, and it's kind of... <laughs> louder, louder. Uh, I just turned to my left. <laughs> Like, you look like one of those tech entrepreneurs, like rolling up to the microphone at some sort of like tech crunch. And you're like, behold. <laughs> See, and that was just like the littlest sick. And it like you feel it and you're like, I'm losing. I'm going to lose it. And you got to you just got to let out a breath, kind of put put some weight in your butt and just and just let it ride. Uh, can we have, I want to I want to see someone fail at this. So I think Kevin should get on. <laughs> Can you explain to me why you have this basketball, first of all, before, before you get on this? With, are you getting on it with the basketball? 
Well, I'm going to try and get on it by just... I just want to try and stand up straight by myself first. I have the basketball because I heard we were going to the park. <laughs> In which there are no basketball hoops. Well, I looked them up and they're really far away. <laughs> um, what is the basketball for, though? So this is uh, the Wilson X Connected Basketball. It's a product that they just launched, and um, it has a sensor inside that hooks to an app on your phone like every other connected device. But what the basketball is designed to do is to help you practice shooting and kind of the way they pitch it is to work on what it means to be clutch, which is just kind of their code word for having muscle memory, getting a lot of repetitions in different situations. So basically, you turn on the app, you sync it to the ball, and then you can put the app in a couple of different modes. One is just pure shooting, and it's just for shooting. You can't, it doesn't keep track of like layups or slam dunks if you could do that. I, right. I can't. That would be awesome. But, um, so, it's just, so it's just pure shooting, so you shoot, and it keeps track of not just how many you made and missed, but what range you were shooting from so it can tell you like you know within in 10 to 10 to 12 feet you shot this percentage and from three-point range you shot this percentage but you can also put it like what they promote a lot is like a buzzer beater mode where you get a timer every time you make a basket it adds time and so you try and continue shooting as long as you can which you have to make shots to keep doing that um, what's pretty cool about it is that it just uses an accelerometer so it keeps track of how fast the ball is moving and in which direction and it uses that to figure out if you made or missed a shot. That's all it takes. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so that does make for some weird things, like when you shoot with it, um, you, can't, you can't rebound the ball before it hits the ground because it has to have like the hit after it's gone through the hoop to know, okay, a shot attempt just happened. Uh -huh. and, it, and it can tell like that was a, the ball hitting the ground and not the ball hitting the rim, I assume like by the height and the speed or something. But it is like, so it has these kind of like, it's in some ways it's like kind of cheesy because there's like a coach's voice being like, nice shot, or like, just not your range. But they talk a lot about like kids don't go outside or do anything anymore. Yeah. And so they're like, well, we tried to make this like a video game, which is like that's how it would work on, I don't even know what the current video game systems are. It's like, it's, like, um, it's like Wii, except for real life Wii. You know, right. it's like Wii basketball, except for it's just a real basketball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, let's, let's like, let's. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This thing seems remarkably impractical. Like you need to, you need to like <laughs> use someone's arm to get on it. And then if you like hit a stick, you fall off. Like it's like a skateboard, but worse. Scared for Kevin here. Scared okay, for should I? I feel like you need a helmet. <laughs> I'm not completely uncoordinated. No, it's just I'm... all right. So, now... get your shoulder. Okay. Get a. Oh, <laughs> that was my foot. <laughs> okay. Can you? <laughs> Can you give me some advice for the mounting process? Yeah. Get both feet on as soon as possible. <laughs> and then stand still. And then just like stand up straight. Don't eyes roll over forward. my nice shoes. Eyes forward. Yeah. Stand up straight. Don't look down. <laughs> Oh, you're on it! You did it! <laughs> Stand straight. So you got stick coming on your right. <laughs> Don't tell me if there's obstacles. If I think about it too much, I'm definitely gonna fall. Stand up straight. So now we're back upstairs where we are all safe from potential physical harm. I'm glad that nobody had to go to the hospital because I'm not sure I know which one is the closest. I, I feel like the monorover made me a, a little nervous. Do you think it's easier to ride than a skateboard? Have you ever ridden a skateboard? I'm not a skateboarder no. uh, myself, so I can't speak to that. Do you think it's easier to ride than rollerblades? Have you tried that? Uh, it is as easy as rollerblades, less physically exhausting. Okay. I uh, think it's harder than rollerblades, but I think it's easier than a skateboard. Because I, I think skateboards, I mean, it's easier to stay on top of a skateboard, Yeah. but it's the turning that's... On a skateboard. Yeah, it's yeah. so hard. That actually, I think, turning's easier than just standing on it and going straight. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, so in I mean, it just uh, uh, something like this. I've seen it around. And I'm kind of like, why do we need? Why do we need this? I don't think we do. But it's so fun. Yeah. It, so it must have been fun for you. <laughs> to me, it was like the one person who was really good at writing it. Yeah. It's okay. You get to kind of put on a little show. You can turn in some circles. Yeah. People were well, watching. The, people were watching us. Yeah. 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 Well, the key thing I think is that. It's the most fun when you are able to do it and look effortless. Because yeah. when you ride it, you look like, why would anybody even be looking at me? Right. I'm yeah. Just, I'm just moving forward. I'm moving forward riding, without walking around. Yeah. yeah. And then when when you were riding it, Kevin, you... it's not quite the same effect. Yeah. It's maybe when you get one of these items. If you get one of these items, you need like two weeks at home in the privacy of your home to like get the handle. So don't, so don't buy it. Like don't, don't buy it the week. Go don't buy it the day oh. of your wedding and try to roll, roll down, down the aisle. I was actually <laughs> thinking the like you know the old school like the changing where it's like in like old movies where it's just like the panel with fabric over it. You just need to keep it back there so you can just like go back there, hop on, do the hard part, like have a little shoulder ledge for yourself, and then just roll out. And you get over the hard part. You just look impressive the entire time. Okay. Yeah. Like mount, mounting it is yeah is the most embarrassing thing you can do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Pretty embarrassing. <laughs> Except apart from maybe, I don't know that dismounting that, it. Di yeah, well, dismounting it unintentionally probably is the it's, most embarrassing yeah. thing that you there can you do. Um, and then Kevin, you're. I was, I was so impressed that you got on that basically for the first time or maybe second time and managed to take a basketball shot while on it. Yeah, it felt pretty good, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, are, how is your basketball game improving with your crazy basketball that you have? So I actually think this is a really good idea for a way to get better at basketball. I mean, it's always helpful. I think we're really used to now being able to see feedback, you know, being able to see data or make, you know, about whatever we're doing. And so to be able to like keep track of my shooting percentage instead of, you know, coming home and being like, oh, that felt like a good, like I felt like I shot well today. And to be able to say specifically like, oh, like the 10 foot jump shot I can make, but you know, like I cannot make anything from three point range, Wh whatever. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually really useful. And the fact that there are the game things, even though like the coach's voice is kind of cheesy, I think that it is good to like kind of have that experience of pressure. I, th I think it's pretty fun, and I think it's actually like pretty impressive that they're able to do it. And when you when you're talking about the coach's voice, do you leave it on and like set it on the sideline? Just put your phone volume up really loud, or how does that work? So you could, but I just wear headphones because that's a lot less embarrassing. You wear, you wear headphones oh. while you're playing basketball. Or like uh, well, I, don't, while, I did with this. I did with this. Yeah, just shoot, the no, master of the mono rover, like he's the arbiter of cool. Well, so that's actually a key. That's actually <laughs> hey. a key point, though, is that it's really only useful for shooting practice. Like you couldn't use it in a game. Yeah. Um, because of the the way you sync it, and because of how it keeps track of shots. That makes sense. So yeah. you do have to use it by yourself. So in that case, yeah, I just keep my phone in the pocket, my basketball shorts, put in the headphones, and just shoot around. Can you play music in the background? Yeah, you can. Well, it comes nice. with musical selections that are. Exactly what you <laughs> think they are. <laughs> They're the sound you can effects also play from a basketball video game, basically. Music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The NBA Jam soundtrack from 1990. Right. Yeah, Jock Jam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that album. I loved it too. How much was this? Was this basketball app? So it's two hundred. I'm sure the price will come down. The but basketball the, itself is two hundred dollars. Yeah, so it's just the the app's free. You just oh. you buy the basketball. Well, it but better, the thing better is, be after two hundred dollar yeah. basketball. Uh, the thing is, it's actually like a nice basketball. Like I feel so. So the, here's the here's the weird thing is that I actually think it's a really nice basketball. So using it outside is a huge downside, but if what you're trying to do is get like your average kid to play more sports, like your average kid can't just go to like a nice court to play on. So right. that's kind of like, right? You know, well, your average kid probably can't also can't afford a two hundred dollar basketball. Yeah, but if it's like a Christmas present or something. Sure. Actually, yeah, you know, this would be. It seems like it'd be a really good present for a kid who maybe is just took up basketball, like in school or something yeah and you get in this cool little basketball or her a cool little basketball that you can play uh around with and and really practice yeah and what about your mono rover how much is that 
Uh, they range anywhere from, you know, the whole like world of mono rovers, I think anywhere from like 400 up to $1,000. And Ours, the, one, the one that you have is called? Is the mono rover R2, and it comes in at around 600 bucks. I think you can find it for a little bit cheaper on Amazon sometimes, but right. uh, like $600 range. Would you, is, would you buy that? Uh, I would not, but I would uh, accept it as a gift. Are you going to get to keep this one? It may be in the popular mechanics offices for quite some time. So now that we've dirtied it up. Now yeah, that we made it, they don't want it back. back. It's going to be, I'm going to be sitting at my desk and you're just going to roll by me on your way to the bathroom. Well, thanks guys for coming and risking life and also limb for my podcast. That was wonderful. Love you guys. That's our show. The most useful podcast ever is produced by Jack Dylan. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes. And while you're there, you can leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. If you want to read more about mono rovers and how you can ride them effectively, check out our website, popularmechanics.com slash podcasts. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.